Litzkinen, and today's scripture reading comes from the very beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. The purpose of Proverbs. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. One of my favorite skits or recurring skits from Saturday Night Live is Celebrity Jeopardy, where Will Ferrell plays Alex Trebek, who becomes increasingly annoyed at the stupidity of the contestants on the show. The contestants are celebrities portrayed by other celebrities, and they're incredibly dumb, and that's, of course, the humor is how dumb the celebrities are. And so because the celebrities are so dumb, they have to have really simple categories for Jeopardy. So some of my favorite categories are as follows. Category, point to your nose. Another category, countries between Mexico and Canada. This one, current U.S. presidents, and it was Bill Clinton at the time that the skit came out, and the question was, or the answer was, you know, this is the current U.S. president, and they're all like, <laughs> and Trebek is like, he has gray hair, his first name is Bill, <laughs> you know, months that start with Feb, <laughs> animal sounds, what ears do, I like that one, colors that end in purple. Famous Muppet Frogs, and this is, I love this one, members of Simon and Garfunkel, (laughs) the letter after B, and so the humor is in how dumb the celebrities are, and we're starting a new series today called Popular Proverbs, where we're going to be looking at um, some of the most referenced some of the most read, some of the most cited, some of the most gone to or sought after or searched Proverbs out of the book of When I went to Brian Holtz for artwork for this series, I told him we're going to do a series called Popular Proverbs. He says, well, that sounds like a Jeopardy category. So hence he made this Jeopardy theme for you all today. So we're doing Jeopardy theme, Popular Proverbs, some of the most referenced books or verses in the book of Proverbs. And today, the most referenced verse that we're looking at is verse 7, which says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is chapter one of the book, and so it's kind of an introduction to the book, and verse one tells us who the author of Proverbs is. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. And so King Solomon wrote much of the book of Proverbs. He wrote chapters one through 22. And if you remember, God appeared to Solomon when he was a boy, and Solomon asked God for wisdom. And God made Solomon so wise that people from all over the world sought out Solomon and his wisdom. And thankfully, for our sake, he codified a lot of his wisdom in the book of Proverbs, specifically chapters 1 through 22. And then in verse 2 of chapter 1, we get the purpose of the book of Proverbs. It says, the purpose of Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline 
to help them understand the insights of the wise. And Proverbs itself is called a wisdom book because the purpose of Proverbs is to instill in its reader wisdom. And if you continue in our scripture reading today, like Julie just did, you get all sorts of synonyms for wisdom. It almost functions like a thesaurus for wisdom. If you read Proverbs, you're going to get wisdom. So you're going to get prudence, you're going to get insight, understanding, knowledge, direction, learning, and guidance. And all these words kind of expand out the definition of wisdom in the first seven verses of chapter 1. Proverbs gives wisdom, and in giving wisdom, it answers the question, how do I live well? How do I live a good life? And how do I, insofar as it depends on me, maximize success and minimize failure? Now, we realize we live in a fallen world and not everything works out perfectly. And so we have to remember that Proverbs is not a promise. It's you're playing the odds. If you do this, then odds are, odds are things are going to go better for you. Proverbs answers the question, how do I live well? And insofar as it depends on me, how do I live a good life, a successful life, a flourishing life, a full life, a valuable life? How do I live well? Morgan and I know someone who is married, has children, and has a good job with the corporate offices of Texas Roadhouse. But it was not always that way. woman started off her adult life as a high school teacher. And she got engaged to a guy who we all had a very poor opinion of. And we were like, this guy is kind of a loser. I don't know what she sees in the guy. And as is often the case in these circumstances, the person who's closest to it can't see it. And so she ended up marrying this guy. And to no one's surprise, not long after they got married, they began having problems in the marriage. And we knew that she was unhappy, he was unhappy. And so this woman that Morgan and I know ended up having an affair with one of her students who had just recently graduated. She divorced her husband, ran off several states away on this fling, with this recently graduated student of hers. Just a train wreck. And it wasn't long before she realized she's not going to find fulfillment in this fling with this former student of hers either because there's an age gap there. She has certain wants in life and all this guy wants to do is play video games. <laughs> Makes sense for someone who recently graduated high school. So she ended her relationship with that guy as well. But... This to say that not long after starting her life off as an adult, her life was a massive train wreck. Just one collision after another because of one terrible decision after another. And I say, how do I avoid that? And I think most of us in this room would say, how do I avoid that? And certainly those of us who are parents, especially of young children in this room, say, how do we help our kids avoid that? And this is where Proverbs steps in and says, I'm going to give you some wisdom, and if you follow this wisdom, you're going to maximize the opportunities, and you're going to maximize the chances that your life doesn't end up like that. You're going to likely avoid those types of things. Proverbs teaches us how to live wisely. There's a scholar, Gerhard von Rad, who has a definition of wisdom that I just love. He says, wisdom is competence in regard to the realities of life. 
He says, wisdom is competence with regard to how life really works. And I want to give you three things that wisdom is more than. All right? Wisdom includes these three things, but wisdom is more than these three things. And the first one is knowledge. Wisdom includes knowledge, but wisdom is more than knowledge. Verses 4 and 7 in our scripture reading today both mention the word knowledge. And so knowledge is a part of wisdom. It's in the orbit of wisdom. But wisdom is more than knowledge because between knowing something and there's a difference between knowing how to take what you know and make it work for you. Going back to Von Rod's definition of wisdom, he says wisdom is a competency with how life really works. You have to know how things really happen. You have to know how this life that we're all living really works. You have to be around the block a few times. Right? I mean, there's a difference between reading something and knowing it. That's good. That's beneficial. But that's different than knowing stuff and then experiencing it and kind of thinking, okay, this is how things go in a situation like this, or I've seen this before, or I've been in this spot before, and I kind of know how to take this piece of information and make it work for me. I mean, there is something to be said about people who have lived a while. There's a competency there because they've been in many circumstances and many situations. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to have the competency to make that piece of information work for you. The Hebrew word for wisdom is hokmah, which can mean skill or expertise which implies a competency. It's more than just knowing stuff. You actually have the skills to put that knowledge into action. You have the skills, the expertise, to make that work for you. Years ago, my dad and I began framing our basement. And yes, it still is sitting framed. <laughs> Nothing else has happened. Got to scrape together the money to get this project going here. Especially now that we're about to have a middle schooler, we need like a, a place to stash all those middle schoolers. You go down there, that's your spot. So my dad and I frame up this basement. And it takes us like many Saturdays to get like a wall and a half done. Now we didn't work the whole day, but you know, it's like, okay, 16 inches on center. Like, yeah, okay. So we know, okay, you gotta put the bottom plate, top plate, and then the studs 16 inches on center. So he and I are just kind of figuring this out. And of course, like we'd measure wrong. It's like, well, maybe we can cut a little piece and st stick that in there. You know, it takes many hours for us to get like a wall and a half done. And then my friend, who is friends with a carpenter, says, I'm bringing my carpenter friend over and we're going to finish out your basement. So my friend and his carpenter friend come over one day. And in like four hours, he just knocks the basement out. So in four hours with the carpenter, we did more than like days with my dad and I. Why? Because that carpenter has a competency. My dad and I know a wall is bottom plate, top plate, studs, 16 inches on center. But this carpenter has done it over and over and over again. And so he's just throwing wood up in the basement. It's a competency. Wisdom is more than just knowledge. It's a competency to put that knowledge to work. It's also more than good advice. Wisdom is more than knowledge, and wisdom is more than good advice. Verses 2, 3, and 7 all mention the word discipline. And wisdom is more than good advice because you have to have the discipline to put that good advice into action. 
You have to have the discipline to apply that good advice to your life. You can listen to good advice, but if you don't do anything about it, then it doesn't make any difference. You have to have the discipline to apply that good advice to your life. Just last night, we grilled for supper and we ate outside because now that we have these two new cats, they have no manners. So it's better just to eat outside than to try to like fend them off the table all the time, right? We have to lock one of them up in the room, yes, because he, he can't handle it. So we just eat outside when we can now. So we grilled, ate outside, and I just was so tired when I ate supper. And I turned to Morgan and I said, I'm getting concerned because why is it that every time I eat, I just want to roll over and die? I'm so tired every time I eat. This is a concerning pattern that I can't eat without getting like dreadfully tired. And Morgan says, why don't you go for a walk and wake yourself up? I said, All right. So we get done with supper and I go for a walk. I walk past my friend's house. Their names are Adam and Megan Brill, and they were outside with their family. And I'm walking by. I don't want to disturb them, and they call out. They're like, you got to stop and chat. You can't walk by without chatting. I'm like, all right, all right. So I walked up, and I said, hey, you both are in the medical field. So Megan is a nurse, and Adam is like a sports med guy. I said, you're in the medical field. I said, why is it that I'm so tired all the time when I eat? He's like, well, what are you eating? I said, well, we did pretty good tonight. We had meat, no bun. Uh, asparagus, and then I guess, yes, we did have potatoes. So there's the carbs, right, and the potatoes. So we did have some carbs. But all told, it wasn't terrible, and I ate a reasonable amount. I ate one patty, you know, uh, only I limit one portion of potatoes and, and, and asparagus. So I thought I did pretty good. You know, he's like, well, what would you eat for lunch? I was like, Taco Bell. He's like, there's your problem. <laughs> he's like, you're tired because you're old, and you're tired because you got to have the discipline to A, exercise. I'm like, there's another problem. And he's like, and B, eat well. He's like, if you think, don't just think one meal, think about all that you ate. And I'm going back, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. scooters drink, you know, okay, yeah. You know, like, that's not very good. So, okay, right, he says, you have to have the discipline. He said, and I don't have the discipline, Bill. I'm like, yeah, me neither, right? No wonder I'm disciplined to exercise and eat well. So wisdom is more than just good advice because you can receive the good advice all day long, but if you don't have the discipline to put it into play, then who cares? It doesn't make any difference. Wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is more than good advice. And wisdom is more than morality. Wisdom is more than just good and bad. It's more than right and wrong. Good and bad, right and wrong are part of it. But it's more than just good and bad, more than just right and wrong. Proverbs 1.3 says that wisdom includes morality. It says the purpose of Proverbs is to help them do what is right, to help the reader make wise decisions, to help the reader do good. But the problem is, so much of life is more than black and white. So much of life is more than good and bad. So much of life is gray. I remember my mom telling me, she said, when I grew up, the worldview that was instilled in me was everything is good or bad, right or wrong, black or white, one or zero, and she says, and now that I've lived longer, she said, I've realized there's a lot of gray. Most of life is gray. Most of life is ambiguous. It's not like every decision in your life is good or bad or morally right or morally wrong, but it's still a big decision, but there's gray. It's like, what's the right decision? I mean, I think back to my life, probably the biggest decision I had to make was back, do I stay at First Presbyterian or do I come to Grace 242? 
as, in this new venture as the pastor. This is the comfortable situation because this is what I know. This is exciting but also very uncomfortable because it's new. And it's not like to stay would be a sin and this would be you know, honoring to the Lord. Now, I did want to honor the Lord, and I do think that the Lord has in mind the choice he wants me to make, but it's not like this would have been immoral and this would have been moral. It's not like, do you want to be a drug dealer or do you want to work for the Salvation Army? That's not how choices work in our life. It's gray. It's like, do I take this job or stay at my current job? Right? So how do we make wise decisions. If wisdom is more than morality, and if so much of life is great, then how do we make wise decisions? Do I sell my house? Or do I keep my house? Do we move into an apartment? Do we put our kids in this school? Do we put our kids in this school? Do we have, try to have more kids? Do we stay with the number that we have? Do we reduce the number of kids that we have? No, no, no. <laughs> right? uh, that would be an immoral. <laughs> uh, how do we make wise decisions when so much of life is great? And here's where our popular proverb comes in. And it tells us how we gain wisdom. We gain wisdom in fearing the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. We gain wisdom in fearing the Lord. That doesn't mean being afraid of Him. That means being so honored to be in His presence that we seek Him out constantly. And that as we seek out His presence and spend time with Him and cultivate an awareness of His presence, that He shapes us and forms us in His ways and wisdom is inculcated into us. It flows out of Him into us. That is how we gain wisdom. I think too often we treat these decisions sort of like a, like a one-off request ticket. You know, it's like, oh, i got to decide whether I keep this job or take a new job. I should bring this to the Lord. Good impulse. That's good to bring that to God. But you just kind of bring it to the Lord in your moment. Like, what should I do, magic eight ball? <clears throat> give me the answer, you know? Like, give me the answer, fortune cookie. Let me crack you open and see. Okay, you will get a new job. Yay, okay, God wants me to get a new job. But that's not how he works. He's not a magic eight ball, and he's not a fortune cookie. He wants us to bring our decisions to him. But it's in being with him and seeking after him and reading his word and hiding his heart in our hearts and opening ourselves up to him and saying, form me and mold me in your ways. Make me into the human that you want me to be, God. It's in that process and that constant development of our relationship with him that he molds us and shapes us in the ways of the wise. And that when it comes to these big decisions, indeed we seek him out, but we've been seeking him out all along. So the solution rises to the fore because of who he's formed us to be. That's wisdom. That we linger in his presence. And that is a total gift to be in his presence. And that we say, there's nowhere I'd rather be than with you, God. And even if I can't carve out time to just sit in silence with you right now, I'm developing an awareness. He's there. He's there. He cares. He's orchestrating my life right now. What does he want out of me right now? What does obedience to him look like in this moment? 
That's how we gain wisdom. There was a professor of theology and Jewish studies at, at Moody Bible Institute who said this, Wisdom for man is not only to make one humanly wise, but also to lead him to fear, for this is the beginning of all wisdom. True wisdom for man involves knowing the Holy One. That's wisdom. Knowing the Holy One. So men are to listen to the wisdom of God with attentive ears. Okay, God, what's your opinion now? What do you have to say now? What's obedience to you now? I'm listening. Turn up the volume, Holy Spirit. In fact, Luke Goldberg continues, inner happiness only comes when man attains this wisdom through a strenuous search, which is actually a search for God himself. Fear the Lord. You want wisdom? Search for the Lord himself. You want wisdom? Seek after the heart of God. Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser says, wisdom is reverential awe of God. And I got this quote from this manuscript which was printed for me by Walter Kaiser himself in his study which is part of a book that he wrote on Proverbs that is not yet published and he's searching for a publisher. The name Walter Kaiser means very little to you likely but it means everything to me. Because Walter Kaiser is a world-renowned Old Testament scholar, former president of Gordon-Cromwell Seminary. And in his retirement, he now resides in Cedar Grove, Wisconsin. And Walter married a woman by the name of Nancy. Nancy was married to a man by the name of Bob Belboom, and they lived in the house across the street from me growing up. All right. Nancy's husband, Bob, died. Walter's wife died. And when Walter moved to Cedar Grove to settle down in his retirement, he met Nancy, and they both married in 2018. Nancy, Walter's wife, was lifelong friends with my grandparents, Rich and Carrington Hagen. So naturally, when Walt married Nancy, Walt became friends with my grandparents, Rich and Carrington Hagen. So when my grandfather died last year, I was there when he passed. And then I was sitting around the table with the family. My sister was at the table. And Walt and Nancy show up to my grandparents' house because they're friends. And Walt says, I was hoping to come pray with Rich. It's my grandpa. But now Rich has it way better because he's with Jesus. But when Walter came through the door, I turned to my sister who was at the kitchen table with me and I said, Catherine, I said, this means nothing to you, but it means everything to me. It's of the field. Just walk through the door. I'm like, this guy, like when I was in undergrad writing papers, I was citing Walter Kaiser. And when I was in seminary writing papers, I was citing Walter Kaiser. I asked him, what's your favorite thing you wrote? He says, well, it's really hard. You know, I have about 90 books now. And that doesn't include his articles. He is world-renowned. I mean, you want something on the Old Testament, you listen to this guy. So I told my sister, I was like, a giant of the faith just walked in the door. And then Walter gathered the family in the living room, and he prayed over the family, and he read scripture with the family. And I'm just like, tears are flowing, because I'm like thinking about my grandpa with Jesus, and now like, Walter Kaiser's pastor. 
pastoring my family. It's just like, wow. It's just this incredible moment that I'll never forget. So we exchanged contact information around my grandpa's funeral. And I'm like, yeah, never a, never a bad thing to get your contact info to the hands of a world-renowned scholar, right? So um, I knew I'd be preaching Proverbs this summer. And I said to Walt, I said, I'm going to be preaching Proverbs. You know, I've heard Proverbs is quite difficult to preach, actually, and I've already exper- run into some of that. I said, do you have any resources or anything that could help me? <laughs> like knowing, of course, he does, right? So he emails me back. And he says, hey, stop by my house tomorrow morning. It's like, okay, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Like, cancel all my appointments. I'm going to this guy's house. So I go to his house. Son answers the door, shows me into his study. Books and books and books just everywhere. And here's Walter at his computer. He turns around, Bill, we shake hands. And he says, have a seat. (laughs) (laughs) What, I'm being given a seat? In the study of a world-renowned Old Testament scholar? And he's like, every second is precious. And I'm just like, oh, what do I, what do I ask? You know, like, what do I say? Like, don't waste time. Don't waste time. It's just me and him and his study. And he's like, so you're working on Proverbs. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I got a book for you. Gives me one of his books that he wrote. He's like, there's a chapter in there on preaching Proverbs that you'll be blessed by. Loads me up with that. He's like, oh, and I'm, I just finished a book on Proverbs. He's like, what's your, what's, your, what's your passage this week? So I told him, one through seven. He's like, okay. He goes onto his computer, pulls up his book, prints me the chapter that deals with the chapter we're preaching today. And then, he, and then he, um, he's like, you know, if you, if you think of it, could you pray that a publisher might pick it up while you're reading it? And I'm like, I will do that, you know? So I'm just like, and then he's asking me about, I had a heart shirt on. He's like, you got something with a heart? And I told him about Colin. And I'm just like, what? You know, I'm invited into this study with an Old Testament scholar, president of a seminary, you know, and he's just like chatting it up with me. And I thought to myself, he would, he would be so embarrassed if he saw what was going on right now because he's so <laughs> humble. He's like, ah, he's like, that's too much to live up to is what he would say. And I said, does it give you joy to know that you help out pastors? He says, tremendous joy. And I left there and I thought, you know, I I really honor this man. And I thought, you know, I think that's what Proverbs 1-7 is trying to tell us. That the way that I revered Walter Kaiser is the way that we ought to revere our Lord. That being invited to have a seat in the study, how much more is the joy of being invited to have a seat in the presence of God? God's far more respectable than Walter Kaiser is, and this man is tremendously respectable. I idolize this guy. And yet God is the one who says, my son has opened the way to me. Come have a seat in my study. Let's sit down and chat a while. Be with me, and I will inculcate myself in you. Spend some time with me. And every second I was with Walter was like, this is precious, just me and him. Every second we're with the Lord is like, this is precious. Just me and him. What does it look like to gain wisdom? We fear the Lord. We honor the Lord. We revere the Lord. It's just like, I get to be with him. Anytime I want. This is what wisdom is. Being with the Lord. Fearing the Lord. Honoring the Lord. Relishing in our time with the Lord. That is wisdom. Wisdom.